become this thing. And so we're going to continue uh, along what I started just two weeks ago, which I called this identity crisis. I pinched this title um, and we looked at it uh, two weeks ago on sonship. And as I said, I've got about four or five, I think at the moment, probably talks around this. What does it mean to be a son? Because Jesus started in his lane knowing his father. He's really the only one that started his race from birth knowing who he was and the fullness of who he was. We all find ourselves in this place of, of, of I just call it inauthenticity. We've all been poisoned. We've all been marked by this thing called iniquity. We've all been blinded as we start our race, separated from God, not knowing who our heavenly father is, not being able to see in full color like the Christ could. And so we have to engage in this process of becoming one's sons and then actually receiving the revelation, ongoing revelations of what that means for us as his sons. So our lives actually reflect sonship. It's no much point going, I'm a son and living like a slave. If you're a son, you live like a son. Amen. And so it's not just about having a legal position of sonship, being born again. It's about experiencing that truth, what that truth means and living from that place. And we're going to look at a bit of that um, this morning. But just to give you some context, if you weren't with us two weeks ago, I said these three things. I said, God defines our sonship. We have to come into an agreement with the Father when the Father says, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. We have to come into an agreement in that and go, amen, I believe that by faith and I'm grabbing hold of that truth and I'm allowing that truth to define me. Doesn't matter about my past. Doesn't matter if I didn't have a, an earthly father who modeled it. Doesn't matter if I believe that or not. I've got to, sorry, I've got to engage. It doesn't matter how what I think or how I feel. You know, we might say, well, I don't feel that's true. I don't think that's true. It is. It is. Because we don't go on, it's not about our feelings. Our feelings don't define truth. Our thinking doesn't define truth. The word of God does. And the word of God says, you are my son, so you're a son. So we have to come into an agreement firstly. Then I said that God marks his people with the Holy Spirit. He baptized his son in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Christ. Your mark, I've given you a deposit that you can run this race to receive an inheritance at the end of this race, to fight the good fight, to work out your salvation. Your mind, son, you're marked with the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing I said is God renounces the lie of the enemy. When you look in Luke, you see God say to Jesus, you're my son in whom I am well pleased. You flick the page and you see the enemy going, if you are the son, if you are the son, if you are the son. And I said, we've got to renounce the fact that God is, what God says is true. And all our enemy has is smoke screens, deception. He wants to hoodwink you and he wants to create doubt in your mind, double mindedness to believe that you're not. And he did the same to Christ, identity crisis. He knows if he can rob you of your sonship, he's got you. If he knows if he can get you double-minded, double-thinking, am I really, am I not? Am I saved, am I not? Am I this, am I not? You're a double-minded person. The Bible says a double-minded person gets tossed to and fro and receives nothing. He's very crafty. God God allows him to play that role, which I find fascinating for our own benefit that we would come into not only understanding our position as sons, 
but our reality and experience of sonship. Amen? And so I want to unpack more of that this morning. So come with me to Galatians 4, 1 to 7. Galatians 4, verses 1 to 7. It's in the New Testament. Just after 2 Corinthians and it's before Ephesians. It's titled Sonship in Christ. We all found it? We're there? All right. Once again, I just want to encourage you and you bring this incredible food source with you and allow God to speak as we go through it. Okay, Galatians 4 verses 1. Now I say... As long as the heir is a child, not heir, but the heir of a throne, he does not differ at all from a slave. As long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children... We were, sorry, while we were children, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. That doesn't make sense. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. That sounds so much better. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that he might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, therefore, you are no longer a slave or an orphan, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. John 1, 12 says, those who have received him, those who believe, have become children of God. And what I want you to do right now, if, you, if you're taking notes, I want you to just draw a triangle in your notes. Just a big triangle in your notes. This isn't on my PowerPoint. I just thought of this this morning. So a big triangle. At the top of the triangle, I want you to write this. We have all been adopted into God's family. So the first thing at the point of the top of the triangle, right, we have all been adopted into God's family. Give you a bit of time to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the three sort of thoughts I want you to chew over, but what they are is they're a complete circle or triangle. They go round and round and round and round. So as I'm speaking, I want you to keep looking at the triangle and viewing uh, where you're at through this triangle lens, okay? So we've got that. On the right-hand point, put this thought. Uh, we must press in to receive the revelation of this adoption. We must press in to receive the revelation of this adoption. So that's in the right-hand point. Does that make sense so far? So on the top point, we've got we have all been adopted into God's family. The right-hand point uh, is we must press in to receive the revelation of this adoption. And the third thought, 
which is on the left-hand point, is our lives are to reflect the reality of adoption. So the third point is our lives are to reflect the reality of the adoption. Everyone clear? Nice triangle, one, two, three. In the middle of the triangle, write the word sonship. And to me, this is the complete picture of what God's trying to do. So we start at the going, I've been adopted into this family. That's what it says. If you're born again, if you've prayed, acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, received his spirit, his Holy Spirit, we are born again. Okay, first thing, you move down to the second angle. We must press in now because that is our legal position of sonship. Legally his. But that doesn't necessarily mean I understand what that fully means. That doesn't mean to understand I live like a son. That doesn't mean to say that I see in full color because I might be still manifesting attributes of a slave. I might still have wicked insecurity and wicked fear that dominate and control my life. But that's not of the kingdom. The Bible says, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. God wants us in freedom. So the second thing is we must press in to receive the revelation and continuing revelations of what that adoption means. And then the third element is that we're to live out that reality. It's not much good saying one thing and then doing another, is it? What you're actually saying is, no, I'm not that because my actions and my life reflects this. So to say I'm a son and I don't live with fear and then to crumble every time God asks you to do something is not a reality. God is a God of reality, not theory, reality. And we are to be a people of reality. So when it says love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, it's literal. We're to love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. We're to be people of faith. We're to be people who are becoming the word. The word became flesh and lived on the earth. That's the point of God's word is we get God's word, living word in us, the heaven, the bread, the manna from heaven. I am the bread of life in you that you become like him. So love comes forth. Grace comes forth. Power comes forth. Life comes forth. We're becoming the kingdom. We're becoming living water. And wherever living water goes, what does it do? It refreshes dry, water, dry ground and brings life. And so God's people are to bring life into the world. That's to be a reality. Not just a, an abstract thing that we believe in. No, that's me and you. That's who we are. It's our identity as sons. Sons being male and female. We have to look at Christ and go, my life is to reflect Christ's in every facet. Yeah? And it's possible. God made it possible, didn't he? He came, he died, he rose again. He's made it possible for you and me to live these lives of overcomers, to live lives full of faith, full of love, full of joy. And together, we walk that journey together. 
I'm not saying you have to arrive tomorrow. I'm not saying you, you ever fully arrive. I don't know if we ever fully arrive. But as we journey along as an individual and together, this reality of what, you are, what was paid for, that we were adopted, becomes your living reality. And that is the greatest news that I think I've ever, ever, ever heard. And I'm excited about that. <laughs> and listen to what verse 4 and 5 says. It says, But when the fullness of the time came... God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So once again, you've acknowledged him as Lord and Savior. You've received it. Some of our friends are maybe still waiting to receive it. Some of our family neighbors, but he's made it possible that we can. And we say today, we have. But as I've discussed, we need to now move forward into that. Because otherwise, if we don't move forward in understanding and start receiving a revelation of that legal position, like I've said, and this is what Galatians is saying, it said you can have it all right there, but never engage in it. And you actually live like an orphan. You live like someone who, although it'd be like having $3 million in your bank account, but you never tap into it. But it was there the whole time, but you never knew it. But it was right there. All you had to do was take your FPOS card, go to the plane, plug your card in, hit your digits, and then, boom, three million bucks would come out. And you could use that to build the kingdom. <laughs> Amen. But you live as if you've never known it's there. Imagine man, the end of your life. Imagine coming to the end of your life and going, and God says, you know what? Look at that. I don't. My, one of the things I've said all my life before I was a Christian, I never want to get to that place and regret anything. I never want to get to that place when I'm dying or about to die and go, God, I wish I'd done that, 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 that. I wish I'd gone there. I wish I'd said more of this. I wish I'd done that. Anyone else? I don't want to live. I don't want to be that person. You know, I don't want to regret anything. I want to live in the fullness of what he bought and paid for me to have. I believe we all do. It's an exciting ride being a follower, being a son, coming into more of understanding what, what I'm to engage in and to submit to and to walk in, anchored in him, humbled before him, dependent on him, allowing him to defy me, allowing him to move through me. I love this thing I heard on The Voice last night. I'll see if I can get this right. Seal said this, and I think this is us, you know. I don't, I don't know whether he's got a concept of God, but what he said is, he's, he's talking about this girl who I showed. And he says, you're, he says you're, this gift is from God. He said, it's unbelievable. He said, your 50% makes most people's 90% look tiny. He said, it comes, the gift comes through you. It's not from you. Isn't that cool? I thought, I've got to write, I said, I've got to write that down. There's a message right there. The gift comes through you. Where's the gift from? Him. It doesn't come from me. It comes through you, not from you. That's why whatever God gives us, it's not ours. We have to steward it. It's Him. So don't get all, oh, you think you're the, you're the man or the woman. If you're right, look at me and my gift. It ain't your gift. It's His gift. And are you humble enough to allow Him to do it the way He wants to do it? I thought that was fantastic. And His sons, there is so much God wants to release through us. 
to glorify his name first and foremost. You know, I was thinking about this way. I was thinking, trying to help us understand. Imagine if Danielle and I adopted a child from Cambodia. And so we went through all the legal process and we did all that. And we brought the child, uh, whether it was a boy or a girl, home. And we introduced them to Lily and Madeline in our home. And, and um, you know, we, we're just going through it. At that point in time, that child is legally adopted. It's now a Simnor. It now starts to carry the identity of a Simnor. But that child doesn't know mum and dad. Doesn't know us intimately. Doesn't know the way dad thinks. Doesn't know dad's good points, maybe not so good points. Doesn't know how dad gets grumpy if he doesn't eat. Doesn't know how things that unfold and what happens and the routine. Doesn't know it's uh, the little boy or girl wouldn't know it's um, Lily or Madeline and how they respond and their personalities. Wouldn't know the value system of the Simna household. How the Simna household flows and the culture that's being birthed. But it's adopted and it's legally ours part of our family, isn't it? And over time, this child starts to come to know mum and dad. There's intimacy, starts to have a great level of intimacy, starts to understand things that other people don't know, starts to understand uh, little, little Maddie and the values and all that over a period of time. And so the context in which the child came into the house is completely different after two years, after five years, after 10 years. The legal rights and what was bought for at that rightful place of adoption through a legal bit of paper, now this child is being transformed through hopefully love and grace and kingdom values. And now this identity that the child may have had is completely transformed. And now this child is living in this new identity. Whew. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to show you a clip uh, just towards the end of my message about a young boy that was adopted. And just the difference it's made from understanding what he was adopted into. And, um, and this is for us to, to grapple with and contend for. Are you happy being where you're at today in him? I love this, this thing that Michael Hewitson said, and I've said it before. He said, we've got to be discontently content. <laughs> That's a kingdom statement right there, isn't it, eh? discontently content. What? What does that mean? It means that you are secure with who you are, where you're at today, but you want more. And it's not a sense of, oh no, I'm useless, or I'm this, or I'm that. Any of those negative, it's just, you know what, I'm content with where I'm at, but I have a love that's growing in my heart that I want to understand my king and who I am in my king more and more and more. So I'm on this pursuit that's not driven by fear or works, but love and coming into understanding him more and who I am in him. And as that happens, you know what happens? Transformation by the Holy Spirit starts to happen. It's the only way it can happen. See, we try and manufacture it, we try and manipulate it, we try and replicate it all by fake man ways and it doesn't shift us. It's a work of the Spirit. God is not that dumb. He went, I'm going to make it so impossible that with man it's impossible, but with me everything's possible. Why? Because then I'm in charge of it and I'm controlling it and I will define my kingdom. And there's way more that God wants to bring us into when we start to understand through the process of revelation who we are, who he is, and who we are in him, which is that second little point was we must press in to receive this revelation. Listen to what verse one says now. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, 
He does not differ at all from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. I think that is incredibly sad. I don't know about you guys, but I think that is incredibly sad. As long as the heir is a child, he does not differ from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. And I think, and I'm going to, as a representation of church leadership, I'm going to ask you to forgive church leadership today because I don't think that church leadership has done this too well in presenting the two parts of the gospel of the kingdom message. And we've done you guys an injustice. So would you forgive me and anyone else that's in church leadership that may have uh, not intentionally, but just from not knowing, just painted only one part of a two-part picture. You know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> Let me give you some sort of reference because like I've been talking about, if all I do is say to you, you know what? You guys are all sons and you don't have to do anything. You've just arrived now. Everyone's arrived at the point of receiving Christ. And I don't paint this other picture going, no, no. Yes, and now it's like his kingdom has come and it's coming. It's like God is outside of time, but he's in time. You hear what I'm saying? It's like worship me in spirit and truth. And he's now come and he's coming. And so, yes, you're a son. Now you've got to live in the reality of sonship. And I've sat under teaching, which is, you're just this. It doesn't really matter what's manifesting from that. You're just still this. And so, yes, we are positionally sons. Absolutely can't. God can't, you know, the enemy can't take that away, but walk in the reality of sonship. And so don't think it stops. It just starts here. And this is a whole journey. Paul said it like this. He said, work out your salvation. Oh, I thought we didn't, thought I wasn't saved by works. He's not talking about that. Justified, just as if you'd never sinned. Awesome. Glorification. God's going to give you brand new bodies. Awesome. In the middle, sanctification. God, God, my responsibility with the Holy Spirit, with his word, yeah? This is what I'm talking about right today. It's walk out your salvation. Become the thing that you say you are. I hope that makes sense. Listen, we can't be just content being legally adopted without the living reality of this knowledge. Paul said it this way, you guys have plenty of form, but you've got no power. You look the part, you've got all the bells and whistles, and you do all the right things, but there's no living reality of what you say you are. Arthur Katz put it this way in his book, Apostolic Foundations. Probably one of the greatest failures of the church is to be satisfied with verbal statements and creedal affirmations, but without the corresponding actuality. We are deceived and will be deceiving others if we satisfy ourselves with mere verbal acknowledgements alone. God is existential. He is the God of reality. He is not content with mere approval of a doctrine. He waits for the appropriation of, and the reality. Amen. I've come to set you free. Free. 
free from bonds, free from addictions, free from all this stuff, and to live in freedom. And it's a reality of His. I got that the age of 21 when I said, God, if you're real, I want to know. You better come tonight because I'm on this mission. I want to know if you're real. If you're real, I believe you. But if you're real, come. You know what? He came. He came into my room at 3 o'clock in the morning with lights, not someone shining through my light with a torch because you opened the curtains and there was the hillside underneath. And he came. And I went, oh my goodness, you're real. (laughs) Have you ever done that? You go, I know he's real. I believe in him. And then he turns up. (laughs) And yeah, you're going, no, you're real. I remember running to my mum and dad's room. They'd become Christians probably about the last eight months. And my mum, five months, and I burst the door open. Could have been a bit ugly, but it wasn't. It was good. And I just went in. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for that. And uh, I just said, mum, dad, Jesus is real. And they went, we know, son. I said, you don't know. You don't know like I know. They go, no, we don't. No, you don't. You don't. He came to me last night. He came in the form of light. I had no idea it says he is the light of the world or any of the scriptures. I didn't never read a Bible. He's real. And our lives are to be real and authentic and power and transformational. Amen? That's the reality that God pulls us into and draws us into. Please hear me today. If you're going, wow, my goodness, I'm not living in that. That's okay. It's okay. It's not about, we, we have to create an environment. My heart is to create an environment where love covers. And love is such a, a foundational block that, you know what, you can come and go, Greg, I struggle with pornography. That's okay. I struggle with, with, uh, uh, with this, with this. I struggle with that. I struggle with this. I'm so prideful. I'm the, that's okay. Let's not stay there. Do you know what I mean? That love is so powerful that people could come and everyone could take off their Christian masks and everyone can try and stop me like, I'm a hater today. Are you good? I'm awesome. I'm awesome, man. Oh, I'm so awesome. You just don't know how awesome I am. And you're like, can I just have another praise the Lord? Just another one. Come on, another one. Look, I'm taking the mickey a little bit, but you know, there's a culture inside Christianity called churchianity. It stinks. It says, just be real, man. I'm struggling. I've, I've told you my struggles from the front. I struggle at times. We all struggle. And it's okay. It's actually okay. You know what happens when you're transparent? You empower others to be transparent. And love covers it all and everybody grows. And you become this authentic people who the world is waiting for us to become And it's an overcoming people centered on love. Love. Not law law in the sense of pointing the finger, but love. And so if you're in this place, it's okay. It's okay to to struggle. I hope that empowers you today. But don't stay there. Don't stay there. Move forward more into this reality. Thank you, Father. See, it's dangerous to think you've arrived when you haven't. It's actually a dangerous place to sit because you live with this reality that I've already, what else is there more to engage in? And it's like you have $3 million in a bank account that you've never withdrawn, but you don't even know it's there. 
That's part of the deception. That's part of the lie the enemy wants to sell us. That's why you know, we can think that we, we can literally just have information, knowledge, and think that we know all this. So there's no more else to learn. Clay very humbly through two or three weeks ago shared his own journey of thinking he pretty much had most of this down pat and then is now realizing, my goodness, you know, I thought I learnt, knew this. I'm probably knowing I'm only got about this much. That's okay. Is that okay? Is it okay to be a pastor and figure out you haven't got it all figured out? Is it? Well, that's good because <laughs> you're looking at one. <laughs> It's not okay in some places, though. We're supposed to know it all. Have all the answers. You're God. Or close to it. The Pope or whatever. I don't know. I said to you the other week, my title here gives me no authority at all. What gives me the authority is Christ in me. So whether I'm senior pastor, I don't hate that word. Don't call me pastor, by the way. Just call me Greg. Okay? That's my name. Greg, call me GJ, that sounds a bit better, but I was thinking about the other week, DJ Forbes, is quite a cool name, call me GJ Simner. Anyway, I'm getting off track, but uh, we're going in. I need to pray for that brother right about now. But let me tell you, none of us have got it all together. We're trying to come more and more into his truth, that's what this whole thing's about. Discovering him. And God purposely creates it in a way and gives us all these gifts that have to be unified as one to discover more of him and to come into a revelation of him. And if we will commit to the process, if we all will make a step forward and commit, because that's what's required, we all need to step forward, all of us, then we'll receive it's not like God's holding it back going, right, I'm going to give this for the special people, whoever they are, or, you know, this person or this person. There is no difference. There are different gifts, yeah, and they have purposes and functions. But, uh, but we're all the same. And if we would just step forward like this, arm in arm as a community, God will start to reveal. It's his nature. If you call out to me, if you cry out to me, he's, I'll show you great and mighty things you do not yet know. If you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. You'll find who you are in me if you seek me. And you'll start saying things that are different. You'll start hearing differently. You won't even realize it. I'm becoming more of a son. I am a son, but I'm becoming more of one because I'm starting to move now. My prayer life is different. The way I pray is different. I used to pray more like begging for begging God and now I'm understanding who I am where I'm speaking with authority and I'm declaring things that he's put on my heart to declare. That's why, and I love this, Jesus said go and heal the sick, not pray for the sick. I've given you my authority, now go and heal them. Don't get all, you know, confused and this is what people do and we think now we're superhuman and super this and super that and so now we're going to win the world don't go down there just walk in authenticity I'm a son of the living God I just want to help us to sort of paint a picture to, to help us today to show us because sometimes we we may not even know that 
we are modeling attributes of, of an orphan. Because the reality is, in a room this size and in the kingdom, I would pretty much say that none of us have arrived and none of us fully are living in the potential that God wants us to. And there's a good chance that we are modeling some orphan attributes that we may not even realize we are. You know, sometimes people struggle to build relationships with people. And they say, people walk away from me. People, people I just, I struggle in this area. Why, why is that? Is it possible that you don't even know that you're giving off a spirit of something? that actually is, is, is making people, and, and the more you try and fix that, the more actually seem, people seem to repel. I don't know. But listen to this, because this will hopefully give you a picture of this. In the area of need for approval, so if you're someone who needs a lot of approval, there's nothing wrong with someone saying, well done. But if you go looking for it, if you're someone that is constantly, I need to be approved by others. I need to be approved. I need to be approved to feel secure. You could, you could be modeling this. You'll be striving for praise, approval, and acceptance of man. So a slave or an orphan spirit will strive for praise, the approval, and the acceptance of man. A spirit of sonship, a person realized they're totally accepted in God's love and justified by grace. Now, the only reason I point that up there is to say, this is where God wants us. God wants us transitioning from maybe this point to this point over a period of time. It may happen overnight, literally. It may literally be that in your seeking, God just goes boom and puts that revelation in you where you no longer are going to people needing this affirmation. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that's to be a reality. So you're more filled of him and more whole of him in this area. There may be still some other areas that God's working on. And once again, I want to say that's okay. Do you know what I mean? It's okay to be there. It's not like, ooh, I'm, I'm a bad Christian, whatever that is. The Bible says none of us are good anyway. See, the more dangerous this position is to not know and think you've arrived. Isn't it? And I, if, you, if this is one thing I, I felt the Holy Spirit just say to me, the remedy to that is to ask people you trust. Ask people that you trust who will be honest with you. And if there is a consensus coming back at you, then have the faith to go, I need to ask God about this, or I need to, you know, I'm not saying just take, go to God as well, but go, well, I might need to acknowledge that and allow the Spirit of God to start to work in my heart in that area. And once again, that's okay. Because His grace has covered it all. The reason we have grace and the revelation of grace is to empower that transformation. You can't go lower than what he is done. Remember, you're a son. You're a son. Doesn't matter whether you're 50 million miles away from him or not, you're still a son. I said this the other week when I was maybe disbehaving at home. And there were consequences here. My heart, there are consequences for that lifestyle. And, and when I was not living under maybe my mum and dad's instructions, but it didn't alter my sonship. 
I'm still a Simnor. My dad didn't come, sorry, somewhere. And by the way, give us my name back. <laughs> you're no longer Greg, you're now Greg X or whatever. No. And it's okay, but God doesn't want you to sit there. I don't want you to sit there. I want us all to be moving forward. And the third thought is this, is just our lives are to reflect the reality of adoption. And I've been saying these three points all around to try and bring this home. But verse 7 says this, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, experience creates expression. I want to paint this picture for you where there's Jesus, he's in the home of a Pharisee, and you've got Mary who's there, the disciples are there, the Pharisees are there, and this woman called Mary is there who's been uh, possibly a prostitute, a lady of the night. And the picture goes like this. She walks in, she realizes that who is in the house. So she comes into the house, the disciples of the Pharisees are already there, And this woman starts washing his, would have been smelly, dirty feet with her hair and a most expensive jar of perfume. She needed to break the alabaster jar and start washing his his feet, not with her hands, but with her hair. I don't want to be sexist here, but ladies, you know, I know it costs a lot of money to get your hair cut as a lady. To have it coloured, shaped, styled. I thought that was a bit funny. Um, You've just been the hairdresser. You've spent $250. You've bought the latest products, whatever. I don't know. You've bought these things. (laughs) That's why you go, this look. This is intentional, Graham. This is right. This is intentional, right here. I oh, know. I'll pray for you later, mate. Right. But you just left the hair salon. You, you're looking gorgeous, and guys, because guys' haircuts are, you know, guys colour their hair and all that stuff. I used to. And I don't know. Someone says, "Hey, want to come and wash my feet with that new hair of yours?" You look down. The feet have got. <laughs> toe jam and yeah bit of this bit of that in it bit of dirt maybe a bit of poo from the thing and, whew, really no no I've just I've just spent this money on my hair looking good hey do you want to come and wash my feet the disciples are there they don't get it Pharisees are there they certainly don't get it and this woman who's a nobody who has lived a lifestyle that certainly wouldn't reflect the kingdom comes in and gets it she realized bible says for much is forgiven much is loved this woman is demonstrating sonship right here in this point you see it creates an expression an experience it creates it and she's modeling it right for these two sets of people i mean come on his disciples they saw him in boats. He did this. They still didn't get it. Their hearts are still hard. These other And here's this woman who's received a revelation of who she is. She understands she's been adopted. 
She understands the love of the Father. God has revealed something to her. And here she is with her hair washing his feet. What a powerful example God gives us in his word to show us what a son, someone who starts to carry a greater revelation of sonship, looks like because they've experienced something and it creates a living reality. And I want to show us a clip um, from, you know guys, I love music, from the X Factor, this one, uh, in Australia last year. And um, it's about a young boy and uh, a young man now. And just have a listen to this, because this young man understands uh, that, he, that he was adopted and he gets the life on adoption. I just do want to say this, the song that he sings, you may get a bit upset about. He sings John Lennon's song, Heaven. And so there are some words in there that we obviously we don't believe, but I'm going to show it anyway because I think the, the overall power of uh, what this young man is experiencing, and I don't believe he's a follower, but it's for us to see what, uh, what a son uh, is, to, is, to, is becoming. So if you can show that clip, Mike, that would be great. What's your name? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. So who's, who's here with you today? Uh, my mum, my cousin, my auntie, and my brother. How old are you? Uh, well, actually, I'm not exactly sure. When I was uh, originally found in Iraq in an orphanage, my mum found me. I was born with no birth certificate, no passport, nothing. My story is that I was born in the middle of a war zone. My brother and I, we were found by the nuns in a box in a park, in a shoebox. They brought me to the orphanage. We'd hear shots. Noises that we didn't understand. It was like looking at an angel when mum... Moira Kelly walked through the orphanage door. She brought us both to Australia for surgery originally. And then um, sort of mum fell in love with both of us. My hero would have to be my mother. She worked very, very hard, extremely hard. to changed my life hugely. You know, some people will say I was a man without an identity, but... With, with my mother and with my brother. I believe that I can do this, you know. Wow, good on you, man. Thank you. Good on you, man. So what are you going to sing? Uh, I'm going to sing Imagine by John Lennon. Beautiful. Wow. <laughs> good luck, mate. Thank you. Imagine there's no heaven 
side of that understanding and like I said two weeks ago you know I believe we have a message and through the way people are emotionally and they're crying and we have a message that's more powerful than that it brings someone to a place of meeting Christ for the first time maybe or coming back to the more we are becoming like the one we follow the greater the impact we have as an individual as a community how old are you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know who I am. But someone saw him. Someone, a woman in Australia had a heart and saw him, adopted him, brought him in to her family. And he can get up in front of Australia and the world and share his testimony. You link the spiritual truth to what I'm saying. That is powerful, powerful, which will bring the glory of God. You know what happens? My experience of that is when we step out like that, God's glory comes, the power of God comes and meets you in that place. And it's so authentic and it's so real. And his manifestation outworks and people see it. It's him. It's about him. It's not about us. So don't see that and go, oh, I've got to be a hero for Jesus. It's about him. Just being an ambassador 